This is the Big Church Podcast. I want to welcome everyone. Uh, good seeing you all this morning. I want to welcome you that are watching online. We are so blessed that you are a part of what God is doing in the house, even though you might not be able to be in the house. But uh, uh, we missed you last week. We tried. We did online uh, church last week, and uh, it wasn't the same. I'm the kind. I'm, I'm the same way. I like to be in the house. There's something about being an atmosphere of of being in God's presence with God's people. But uh, Wednesday night, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell y'all. I'm gonna ask y'all to pray for me. Wednesday night, we came in here and we had corporate prayer Wednesday night, and it wasn't just a bunch of people praying. There was something that happened in this house Wednesday night. And we started talking about it, and I remember, I can't remember who said it, but they said, is anybody feeling any kind of spiritual warfare right now? And man, I'm telling you, of the about 40 people in there, almost everybody put their hand up. They're feeling some kind of warfare, something that they're going through in their life. And, and let me just be totally honest with you. This today is not the message that I had prepared on Monday or Tuesday. When I left there, God changed my whole way of thinking. He started making me think just a little bit differently. And then I come in here this morning, and, and we may be a little longer this morning because I don't know if I'm going to get wound up or I'm going to teach you something this morning. But I walked in here this morning, and we start singing about songs of freedom. I didn't even look. I, I'm, I'm telling myself, I didn't even look at the song list on Wednesday. I didn't know. But we start talking about revival, and, and we start talking about tell the devil not today. And so many times we got to get up every single day and we got to tell the devil, not today, Satan. And then we finish it out with, this is a move. We are here for you, God. There's nothing else on our agenda but being who you've called us to be. But does anyone else out there, have you been going through something maybe over the last few weeks and you just feel like there's some, oh, there's hands going up. Anybody? Anybody brave enough to say, man, I'm going through something. And I honestly, sometimes I don't even realize what it is until I'm in the middle of it. I think everyone is going through a struggle, whether it's in your mind, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's you're stressed out or you're just living in fear. But Jesus is about to talk to his disciples in John 16, he says this. He says, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Remember, in me, in Jesus Christ, you can have peace. Because you know why? Because in the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. I can tell you with a surety right now that anytime you're starting to do something, you're starting to move where God wants you to move, you're going to experience spiritual warfare. You're going to go through something. We opened up a thrift store over there, not just to make money for the church, but to be a community outreach. And man, in the last two or three weeks, there's been some spiritual warfare that has come over us. And I'm telling you, because we're about to do something big. But sometimes you can't always see it. It's in the spirit. Let's look at Ephesians 6, 12. It says, For we are not fighting, and we're not wrestling against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. You have to understand that sometimes your enemy is not physical. 
We can look at the crime rate. We can look at riots. We can look at, at, at racial issues and political issues, and we can say, man, it's all about this group or that group or what. But no, we're, fat, we're fighting a battle in the spiritual world. You, might, you may come in here and say, man, what are this bunch is crazy up in here. But let me just tell you what. God has warring angels that are inside of this room who are protecting you from what is outside in this world. You walked in here today, and there was something over top of you, something covering you. You got to know that we're in a war. The enemy wants you to believe that it's your spouse. Ladies, you're all going to say, that man you gave me, God? You know that man. And some of you guys, you're going, man, that woman, I don't know what I'm going to do with her. But it's not your spouse. Kids, you're out there looking around and you're saying, man, those parents are crazy. You got any young people that think they're crazy, their parents are dumb? Y'all ain't going to raise your hand because you know you want to eat after church, right? But, you know, you think it's your family, you think it's your spouse, you think it's your friends, but most of the time it's not the person sitting next to you. It's that spiritual warfare that's coming against you in the spirit world. And let me just be honest with you. You're going to get a little old school this morning and a little new school, but what are we fighting against? The Bible says Satan is called the ruler of this world. You know what? We don't talk about the devil anymore because he's not relevant anymore. But I'm telling you one thing right now. He's real and he's out to steal, to kill, and destroy you. Adam, when he took a bite of that fruit, he relinquished his authority on the earth. He relinquished what he had and gave it over to Satan. But I got news for you to tell you this much. He is not in control. He might feel like he's in control, but my God is still sovereign. My God is still in control. My God knows everything. He is so good. But listen to me. You got a real enemy. First Peter 5.8 says this. It says, be sober. Be serious. I'm adding some words in here. Be sensible. Be vigilant and be careful. Watch, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. He is the real devil, not the one with a pitchfork in his hand, with a little pointy tail, not, with, not the one they want you to believe is on Halloween. He's a real person. He's a real spirit out there trying to steal, to kill, and destroy you. That's where John 10.10 10 says, I got ahead of myself. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill and destroy. He's dead serious, and he's not dead serious. He's dead serious to the physical death, and he's dead serious to your spiritual life also. The, the King James Version says this. It says, no, let me, I'm getting ahead of myself. He cannot succeed until he has compromised the saints. He can't succeed in this world until he brings compromise to us as Christians and in the church. And the King James Version in Daniel says he's wearing out the saints. Anybody feel worn out? Anybody trying to walk this Christian life and you just feel like you're worn out? Well, let me tell you what. you got the enemy trying to keep you oppressed. There is no conquest without combat. That's why the Bible says you got to fight the good fight of faith. So what is our battle plan? you got to bring it all around and make it practical, right? Let's look at James 4, 7. If you haven't read the book of James, you need to read the book of James. It'll, it'll make you repent, and it'll, it's pretty, pretty convincing. James 4, 7 says this. Therefore, submit to God. Remember that word. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We're going to start out with number one on the battle plan is we've got to submit to God. 
Submit means to yield or surrender authority or to give in to someone. Second Timothy explains who we are today in the, in the, in the, the presence that we run, run, the presence that we run into today. That's better. Sorry. I get wound up sometimes. I'm trying to wind down. Second Timothy 3:2 says this: "In the last days, men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters. Pride, blasphemers, and disobedient to parents, they'll be unthankful and they'll be unholy. That's what the Word of God says, and it was written thousands of years ago. It looks a little bit like what we're living in right now. Our nature, our human nature tells us we want it our way. Anybody remember Burger King, have it your way? We want it our way. And let me tell you, we live in a culture where they say you can't tell me what to do. We live in a Christian world culture that tells me, you can't be telling me what to do. I'm going to do what I'm going to do anyway. Our culture around us, most of our life goals revolve around self-achievement and self-gratification. Control. You give the control. You decide your own destiny, and you don't worry about what God's plan is. Come on, we want control of our own lives. We don't want to worry about what everybody else is feeling. We ignore God. And then there's fear. We seize the opportunity now because you know why? If we don't get it now, it may never, ever come back again. We distrust. We don't trust anybody anymore. We live in a world where we don't trust our neighbor. We don't trust our government. We don't trust anything out there. But we don't even trust God anymore. What? We don't have any faith that God can do what he said he can do and then he'll fulfill it out there. We, we just don't have any faith anymore. Security. We take our own measures. Oh, this is a good one. We take our own measures to protect what we want, right? We can't rely on God because God doesn't know what we really need. And why is submission hard? Because culture and ourself is ingrained inside of us. We gotta get to a place where we're teachable I'm going to try to teach you here in a minute. I'm about to wind down just a minute. We must be reachable. We must be teachable and not prideful. You know why? Because we don't have it all figured out. Anybody in here got it all figured out? Man, I'm glad I didn't have to call nobody a liar in here. That's good. Because you don't have it all figured out. And you got to submit to God because, not submit because you have to. you got to submit to God because you want to. There's a whole lot of difference in that right there. When you submit because it's something you feel like you have to do, God can't do what he wants to do in your life. First of all, it says, what does submission to God look like? It says, submit your heart. And many years, you know, for many years, I was like, your heart? That's, you know, that's a physical thing right there. That's right in the middle. But do you know your heart is the very center of who you are? And the heart in the Bible talks about the moral conscious. It steers our values and it gives our choices. Thank you, thank you, brother. I thought I had one, but maybe, maybe I didn't have I didn't have big enough towel. Hold on a minute. I need a bigger towel. He saw that sweat flying. I'm telling. If you sit on the front row around me, you may get a, you may not have to take a shower. So, sorry, that was terrible. Let's go on. What does submission to God look like? you got to submit your heart. That's your inner person, your inner being. Your heart steers what you do. Your heart steers your values. It steers your choices. And when you get saved, here's what happens. You get a heart transplant. 
You don't get the same heart. You get a different heart. And I'm going to prove it to you. You get a heart changed. Ezekiel 26, 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit within you. It will, I will take that heart of stone, that one that God has, oh, that one God has been trying to crack for years, that one that, that you, you, you've put on the back burner, you put somewhere else. God said, I'm about to take that heart of stone and I'm going to make it a heart of flesh. We got to submit our soul. You know, it says in Genesis that when, when God breathed into Adam, it says, he breathed and he became a living soul. Because inside of you, when God breathes, when you breathe in and out, you're breathing the very breath of God. But listen to what the soul is. The soul is the part of us that is eternal. It's the part of us that defines us and tells us who we are as individuals. The Bible says, love the Lord your God with all what? All your heart all your soul, and all your being. You've got to be willing to give it all to him, to devote to him service and live for him. So many times, she just said that. So many times we want, to, we want to call him Lord, but we can't have that. We want to call him Lord, but he's been trying to change things in our life, but you can't have that part of me, God. I'm going to store that back for later. He has to be Lord of all or Lord of none. That's the way it is. Let me, let me read this to Submit our minds. Here is the one that gets us everyone. Everyone has trouble with their minds racing, right? Anybody have the spinning thoughts and don't know which way you're going? But we get our minds submitted to God because the mind is the processor and the storehouse of our beliefs and our ideas. This is the one we have the worst time trying to overcome. That's why the Bible says you got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What do you do to renew your mind? You've got to stop feeding your mind that thing that's all you've... What you feed grows. You've got to stop feeding your mind those things that happened to you in the past. You, I'm not diminishing those, but I'm telling you, you've got to quit feeding your mind with those things. You've got to start believing that you can't. So many people right now say, I just can't do that. I can't. You got to start confessing the truth and not, oh, this is good. You got to start confessing the truth and not your feelings. Hey, listen, you want to confess your feelings all day, you'll always be where you're going to be. But when you start confessing the truth of God, you start saying to the devil, I am an overcomer and I am a child of the Most High. I am not who I used to be. Thank God. I, I wasn't going to get wound up this morning. I can't help it. You got to start telling yourself, you got to start telling people around you, I'm not who I used to be. You know what? Out of the mouth and confession, those things come to pass. We must submit our sinful tendencies, our selfish motives. I know y'all, first time here, they claim, wow, this guy, he's talking about sin up here. I'm about to talk a little bit more about it. Sinful tendencies, selfish motives, shame and pain, and we gotta submit our expectations to God. So many of us live way above our expectations. Then we can't live there, right? Because we, we've built up such a high expectation that when we don't even halfway admit it, we give up. So I'm telling you one time, we've got to submit our expectations to God. 
Listen, each day we gotta yield and we gotta submit. And you may, I just wanna say, God, I start this day by submitting my heart, submitting my soul to you, submitting my mind. I want you to teach me, God, how to walk. God is, you wanna be taught? Just ask God every morning, teach me something. God put me in the right position at the right time when I'm about to do something I ain't supposed to do. Can you take that rod of correction and smack me over the head? Y'all went to school. They, did, they used to smack you somewhere, right? God, will you do that to me when I'm about to make a decision, when I'm about to go the wrong direction? And that's what submitting and yielding to God each and every single day will do for you. Then you have to get in a, a, a mindset that you can't do anything without God. You've tried it. You went, you've, you tried your own way and hasn't made it there. But listen, without submission, there can be no resistance. Number two, we're going to resist. Resist means to withstand, to strive against, or oppose in some matter. How can we resist? Well, resistance can first of all be a defensive maneuver on our part. We can try our best. How many try our best? Come on. Y'all try your best, don't you? You try your best to resist temptation, and be honest with you, sometimes you succeed, sometimes you don't. You try your best in your own abilities to do what you feel like you need to do, but a lot of times that still leads to some, temp some temptations that you give into. You can't be fully done in your own power or in your own self. Resistance can also be an action. I'm about to tell you to take an action here. Action that we take is using an offensive weapon called the Word of God. So many times we, the Bible says, my people are destroyed by a lack of knowledge. They're destroyed because they don't read my Word. They're destroyed because they don't hear my voice. They're destroyed because they've got everything else going in their ears except for what I have to say to them. They're destroyed by that. I'm trying to help you this morning because it helped me this week when I started putting this together. We must be able to resist and rebuke the devil by knowing and confessing the word of God. Again, you gotta get up and say, I have the mind of Christ. It's Jesus, the king of glory, who lives inside of me. You gotta get up sometimes and just say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You gotta understand that the confession out of your mouth changes the atmosphere. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not my workout. That might make me look a little better, not me, but it might make me look a little bit better. Not the thing that you're trying to do to make yourself this or that. It's Christ who strengthens you. It's Jesus who strengthens you. It's God and the Holy Spirit that you've got to walk around with each and every day, that you have to have communion with each and every day. When you lose that communion, you lose that fellowship. And can I just tell you something here? It ain't always the devil's fault. It ain't always the devil's fault. You have a part to play in it. Oh, come on. Y'all are looking at me like, no, that, that sneaky devil made me do. He planted a thought. He didn't make you do anything. Oh, I could be here for 45 minutes. He didn't make you do anything. He just planted a thought. 
And so many times we want to dismiss it and say, man, the devil made me do this and the devil made me do that. We need to stop and make excuses for our weaknesses and submitting to the temptation. I make excuses for my weaknesses. I make excuses for my past. I make excuses for this and for that. We need to live not in excuses mode, but it's just living in submission mode. Can I tell you that sometimes you just got to say no to the devil? I'm talking a firm no. Sometimes you just got to say, not today, Satan. I'm not listening to your lies anymore. I'm not going to let you speak to me that way. That sounds like, that's not real deep. Sometimes you just have to say no. And so many times we just don't say no. We say maybe. I'll think about it. Oh, my gosh, what if? But a firm no makes him flee for us. Resistance comes with being relentless also. Jacob, there's a story in the Bible about Jacob. Jacob was a deceiver. Jacob was a liar. Jacob was not submitted to God's plan at all. He was resistant to God's plan, matter of fact. But he tried everything his own way. But one day he wrestled with someone, and he wrestled with God. And here's the difference. He was relentless in his faith when he said, they wrestled all night. And nobody was really winning. And the, and the man who actually turned out to be God said this. He said, will you let me go? And Jacob said to this, he said, I won't let you go. And I'm not going to ever give in until you give me the blessing that I need. Sometimes we're trying to get over temptations. We're trying to get over the sin in our life. We're trying to get over those things. And we're holding on to it with that relentlessness. When God says, if you'll let me have it and be relentless towards me and let me be who you've called me to be, I'll change the whole narrative of your life. The next step is coming closer to God. It says, draw near to God, verse 8. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse, and I wrote wash, not wash, wash <laughs> your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded, wash your hands. It's a wash rag or a wash, it's not a rag, it's, not, it's a washcloth. Anybody know what a wash rag is? Praise the Lord, thank you, Pepper, from the country. I got three or four other people. Mindy will say, what do you want? You don't, have, you don't want a rag, you want a washcloth. No, I want a wash rag. Okay, go on. <laughs> wash your hands. In the Old Testament, there was a tabernacle. They set it up. Outside of the tabernacle, there was a basin outside of the tabernacle. It was not, not anywhere inside the, the place at all. And all of the most holy things of God were inside the tabernacle. The altars were in there, the instruments they used for worship, and, 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 the, and the Ark of the Covenant was in there. But on the outside, the basin of water was there, and the priest had to do this. What did they have to do? They had to wash their hands, and they had to wash their feet before they could ever enter into the holy place of God. They couldn't enter until they washed every part of themselves. What did that signify? That signified the cleansing of the dirt that was on them, not just the physical dirt, but the sinful dirt that was on them. It signified that they can move into access to God. The priests had no access to God until they washed themselves. 
God's still calling us right now to wash. But here's, here's the thing. Jesus came, and when he said, it is finished, and he gave up the ghost, you know what had happened? It said the veil in the temple was ripped right in two. All that non-access was accessed by who Jesus was. But here's what he does. He still requires us to wash ourselves. And how do you wash yourself? Let me ask you. Repentance. That's a big word right now. Repentance of sin. But before we can get repentance of sin, we have to define what sin. This, has been, this was really good. I had to define what sin was. Because so many times we don't really know. But the, the definition of sin, there's two different kinds. There's a sin of commission and there's a sin of omission. A sin of commission is a sin we take action on to commit in thought, in word, or in deed, or a very willful act. It all started back in the garden, right? He said, you can have everything that you want. Everything that I have here is yours. But there's that one tree. There's that one relationship. There's that one place. There's that... Come on, put your thing in the middle right there. There's that one thing that you should not touch. You should not go around. Don't even be around that. But guess what they did? They compromised and they wanted what they want. So they had a sin of commission because they wanted what they wanted. Most commonly thought of when we start thinking of sin is, oh, well, that's murder and lying and stealing and sexual sins and evil thoughts. But here's the one, oh, this is the one that, Really got me this week because I, I started having to, had to repent a whole lot. The sin of omission, James 4, 17. Listen to this verse. Therefore to him or her who knows to do good, who knows to do good and does not do it, it to him is sin. A sin of omission is this. It's involved in not doing what is right involves not doing what is right or failing to do what is instructed. The sin of omission is something like, you maybe don't keep the Sabbath. Maybe that's not a big deal, but that's one of the Ten Commandments. How many are guilty of not keeping the Sabbath? Come on, get your hands up, honey. You're lying. <laughs> lying was in the first part. But I mean... How many of us are guilty of not keeping the Sabbath? We, we've said that we're going to make our Sabbath on Friday. I can't remember the last Friday I had a Sabbath, to be honest. She can. She can. She had two or three without me. That's good. <laughs> I feel so left out. But I mean, failing to keep the Sabbath. Listen to this one. Omission is honoring your mother and your father. I heard some glories from some younger uh, moms. But also, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and your neighbor who gets on your nerves as yourself. You start thinking about the sin. You start thinking, man, I didn't, I didn't lie today. I didn't cheat today. I didn't murder nobody today. I mean, he's wanted to kill me a few times. But you start thinking about that, and you're going down the line. And before too long, you forgot about the omission ones. I didn't talk. Oh, I didn't talk to that person in Kroger when God told me to speak to them. I omitted telling them about how Jesus Christ has changed my life. The sin of omission. Wow, this is tough. 
refusing to share Jesus with others or neglecting to care for those in need and not praying and not giving. Oh, don't bring that one up, Pastor. Erwin McManus said this. He's a pastor of Mosaic Church. He said, have we ever looked at human lives and felt our hearts break, not because of their sins, but because of the potential they left on the board? That is good. Sometimes a sin of omission denies believers of the blessings God has for us. He says, man, I'm trying to bless you, but, but I can't get you in the right frame of mind to talk to your neighbor, to love your neighbor. I can't get you in the right frame of mind to give what God is, what I've asked you to give. Uh, I can't get you in the right frame of mind to do the things I've commanded to do. And we miss so many opportunities because we're just omitting God. It keeps us from reaching our full Full, full potential. Sins of omission can be motivated by fear, by complacency, and by pride. When we as Christians don't stand up for what's right or don't stand up for what we're supposed to do, listen to me, disobedience weakens our resolve. It opens the doors for further temptations to enter into our life. David was supposed to be at war. Y'all know, know that story. David was supposed to be at war. He was supposed to be with his men. He was supposed to be doing what he was supposed to be doing as a king. But he didn't go out one day because he felt like he didn't really want to. But what happens is, is when we omit the things that we're supposed to be doing, it leads to something else, leads to the sin of commission. Before too long, he walked out on that roof and he saw that pretty little girl. She was taking a bath over in the other roof. And before too long, he omitted what he was supposed to do and then he started to commit something he shouldn't have done. He looked at her. He lusted after her. He went and got her and he got her pregnant. I'm telling you, sometimes if we omit just the small things, I know this is hard this morning. You can throw your shoes at me later. But I'm telling you, when you omit the things God wants you to do in your life, it will turn into commission. It'll turn into things that you just didn't feel like you would ever do in your life. I got good news for you, though. Repentance is a gift from God. It's something that we receive from God. And you know how you get repentance? You own up to what you did wrong. This is old school Church of God preaching, I guess. You own up to your sins. God, I did it. And, 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 and real relationship starts with God when you acknowledge that you are wrong. And you don't try to cover it up anymore. Because only so long, my wife would say, you can only sweep it under the rug for so long. Before too long, it's there's lumpy and it's bad looking. You all know what you're, I'm trying to hide all my clothes in the closet and try to hide them under here. But I got to put them in the right place. I'm trying to help you husbands out here there. But look what David said here. David in Psalms 139 says this. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there's any wicked in me, any wicked way in me, and lead me to your everlasting. God, search me. I need you to get up this morning. Search me. And when you go to bed at night, God, search me. Because I know... I got mad today. I know that person cut me off, and I know that, that my wife got on my nerves today, and I know that, that 
All this stuff happens. So sometimes we just need to have an evaluation at the front part of the day and evaluate. No, no. We need to evaluate all day. Come on. Repentance can happen in your car. Repentance can happen at your desk. Repentance can happen anywhere else if you acknowledge that there is something you need to repent for. Okay, I'm going on. Purify your heart. Forgiveness is required of a Christian. What forgiveness does, it helps the wounds to be healed in your life. Listen, it's not saying it's okay. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It ain't saying what happened to you is okay. It's saying that, and it's not saying you don't owe me anything. No, 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 no. It's saying that they don't owe you anymore because God's taking care of it. So many times I'm not dismissing things that happen to you in your life, but too many times we carry that and we carry that and we're angry and we're bitter and, 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 and all, this, all the while, all it's doing is eating us up alive. We gotta have motives. What are you doing? You gotta have pure motives. What are you doing something for? Our motive must be pure. We must not have an agenda. A lot of times when we do something, we can't have an agenda on the other side of it. Drawing near or hearing God. Have you ever been in the living room and you're mad at somebody and they're sitting on one end of the couch and you're sitting on the other end of the couch? Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. And then one of the two looks over and you get that look like, You, you all, I know you've been in that situation somewhere. You get that look, right? And you're like, okay. And then there's that silence, right? Like, I'm not talking to you. I'm scrolling on my phone. I ain't even gonna look your direction. And then you just plain out ignore each other. Well, I'm gonna tell you something. Until a person has received Jesus as their personal savior, it's, the likelihood of them hearing God is small. I'm not going to say that sinners never hear God because they do. But their likelihood of them hearing anything impactful from God other than salvation is very light. He's not motivated to speak to any of us based on our good deeds or on the things that we need. He's motivated, listen to me, to speak to you because we have a relationship with him. That relationship makes the... The, the, the hearing and the conversation, everything a whole lot easier because if you have a relationship with someone, you want to listen to what they have to say, right? Yeah. Wives, you want to listen to what your husband has to say sometimes. <laughs> family, you want to listen to what your family has to say sometimes. But most of the time, if you have a relationship with someone, you want to be in proximity to them. If you're having trouble hearing from God, I'm going to ask you to do something in just a few minutes. I'm going to ask you to reevaluate your relationship. Maybe you're not hearing because you're pretty far off. The Bible says if you draw near to him, he'll draw near to us. Being near and hearing God is determined, listen to me, this will help you. It's determined by the attitude that you carry in conversation to him. I'm going to say that again. Being near or hearing God is determined in part to the attitude you take into the conversation. You ever try to have a conversation with someone and you got an attitude? I must be the only one in here that does that. 
You got an, as soon as your attitude is up, guess what happens? The wall goes up, doesn't it? As soon as you try to break through that thing and they already see you got an attitude or you got a bad something, all of a sudden they're not listening to you any longer. It matters how the attitude that we take in front of God. We must approach God and we must be submissive to him and for his will. We gotta trust what he says he'll do for us. And we gotta come before him with a thankful heart. Not just thankful for what you have now, but thankful for where he brought you from. Come on, you ought to be happy in this place that you're no longer where you used to be. And if sometimes, if you lose focus on that, sometimes you need to remember where you used to be. The closer we get, the more we'll hear and feel. Last one, we're gonna humble ourselves. Ooh, that's a rough one. James 4.10 says this. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Being in right relationship with God starts fully with humility. You gotta understand who he is. You gotta approach him with humility and you gotta reverence who you're speaking to. So many, so many times we're flippantly with our prayers. I'm trying to help you this morning. So many times we're really flippant with our prayers and, and we're talking about the man upstairs and I'm not so religious, but there is a holy God that we come to when we start to pray. There's a, someone that we need to bring a reverence to and say, okay, God, I'm here before you this morning. You're holy, you're mighty. There's people, there's angels that are flying around saying nothing but holy, holy, holy. It starts in reverencing him. It places you in the right position to actively hear what God is saying, but also to apply it to your heart. 1 Peter 5, 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in, say, due time. Oh, you can do better than that. In due time. Humble yourself is not inflating yourself. It's not advancing yourself. It's not promoting yourself. You don't humble yourself for the purpose of trying to get something. I've seen people humble themselves just because they wanted to be somewhere else. They wanted to do something else. It totally defeats the purpose of humility. It's in his time and it's in his way. A humble heart says this. It'd rather stay on the bottom than to rise by any kind of sinful means. Yeah, I'd rather stay right here than if I have to jump on top of somebody, if I have to do something wrong, if I have to do something illegal, if I have to do something immoral. I'd rather stay right here than to get advanced that way. A humble heart also prefers to lose everything than to sin. Let me talk a little bit about false humility. False humility is the pride of not being proud. Right? Right? It's the pride of not being proud. You ever been around those people? Well, the Lord, the Lord is good, and he's good. God, if, if it's God's will, no, it's God's will for you to do something about it. You ever been around those people that are just so humble, and they're so down, and I'm not saying there's anything 100% wrong with that, but it looks, it locks us into that victim state, and it keeps us from turning our own light on. There is light in this room right now that you've not unlocked. Because you've been standing around saying, I just can't do that. Oh, glory to be to God. Come on, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. God wants you to turn your light on. He wants you to be the light that he's called you to be. He wants you to stand when everyone else around you is falling. 
And it also keeps you, it makes you deny who, you're really, who you really are. You're not allowed to show up. You're not allowed to be yourself. Be yourself. I want to help you. Be yourself. The Bible says you're fearfully and you're wonderfully made. You are the only one of you. Be you. It's okay. He gave you the, your own fingerprints. He gave you your own DNA. It's okay to be you. You may be flawed. You may feel like you're down. You may not feel like you accomplished anything. But I'm telling you, it's okay. I'm releasing you today to be you and all that God's called you to be. Our answer to spiritual warfare, man, I thought I was done. I got like a few more notes here. Our answer to spiritual warfare is you gotta choose a side. There's a war out there, you gotta choose one. Joshua stood up and said, choose you this day whom you will serve. Another one is you gotta surrender yourself. Jesus didn't defeat Satan physically, he defended him by surrendering. He went to the cross for us and said, God, not my will, not what I want, but what you want. Another thing we gotta do is we gotta focus on Jesus. We can't keep focusing on all the battles around us. We can't keep focusing on the devil all day long. I grew up in small churches and they'd have testimony meetings and, and the devil and the devil and the devil and the devil. God never got any glory out of that. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Devil's been hard on me this year, brother. He has. Well, let's start focusing on who God is and what he's done for us. That battle can hinder us and lose our focus. How do we get our focus back? We just gotta remember, Jesus delivered us from all of our sins. He delivered us from our storms. So don't forget, we gotta renounce. Sometimes you gotta confess and you gotta renounce those things. And, and this is something that I feel like that maybe we could do a teaching on later on is about renouncing on the behalf of previous generations. Because you know, there, there are curses that are passed down from one generation to the next. And if they don't get broken, they're always gonna be around rearing their ugly heads. You know, most of all, we gotta seek repentance. You gotta get fed up with your life. You gotta make a decision. Your relationship with God's got to mean more than everything else out there. And you gotta be willing to change. I know, that's a hard one. That's a hard one I have a hard time with. You gotta be willing to change. And then you gotta be willing to ask for restoration. You say, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Return to me, God. And the Bible says if you return to him, he would return to you. I'm gonna ask you all if you would stand, please. As I said through this whole thing, we're in a battle. We're in a war. Some of us are fighting one way and some of us are fighting a different way. We may, not, we may not even understand how to fight, but I'm hoping today I gave you just a few areas where you can know, but, but first of all, we gotta submit ourselves to God. We have to resist the devil. We gotta get up each day and say, no, I'm not gonna listen to the lies of the enemy. We have to draw close to God and we gotta purify our hearts. We gotta wash our hands of the sin. So today, we're gonna do something a little differently. I'm gonna be up on one side of the altar and my beautiful pastor wife is gonna be up here on the other side. And we're gonna pray with you if you need prayer. But there's also, the prayer team is gonna be in the back today. Doing something a little different. Because it's a little less noisy back there. It's a little more intimate back there. 
So if you need prayer, they're gonna be in the back of the room and we're gonna be up here. But I want us to pray this prayer real quick. Not real quick, I just want us to pray this prayer with our hearts. Say, dear Father, I come to you today. Forgive me of my sins. The sin of omission and commission. Give me the strength and the power to resist the devil and everything he'll use to distract me. Today, I humbly walk in your presence. I wanna be near you. I wanna hear you. Thank you for loving me, protecting me, and correcting me, and most of all, never leaving me. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message on the My Big Church podcast. We thank everyone who has given to support this ministry. To find out more about how to support financially or more about Big Church, you may visit our website, mybigchurch.com. If you live in the Louisville, Kentucky area and don't have a church home, we would love to have you as our guest at Big Church. We are located at 7209 Faganbush Lane in Louisville, and we have worship services at 945 and 1130 every Sunday. Thank you again for listening to the My Big Church podcast.